Hello, everyone, and welcome to a live edition of Locked On Guardians. I'm one of your hosts. Before we get into the nitty gritty of the hosts and everything else, I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever as you get podcasts. That's my old co-host being mad. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, my name is Jeff Ellis. I am the host of Lockdown Guardians. Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout and 24-7. And my name appeared on pretty much every Cleveland sports blog you have ever read. Um, Justin, let him know about your bona fide days. I have been also on every Cleveland sports baseball blog you can think of. Fan-sided, ESPN Sweet Spot, uh, Burning River Baseball at one point when that was a thing. Um, and now I'm over at Guardians Baseball Insider, which used to be Indians Baseball Insider, but uh, you can find all my written content, especially the minor league stuff there. So there's no baseball tonight. Let's <laughs> just put that out there. We do have the rain out. It's going to be a one o'clock game tomorrow. Uh, for those of you like me on the uh, central time zone, that means a noon start. So I'll get to watch about an inning before I got to go teach uh yeah it's it's not ideal but hey you know better to get the game in and it seems like a perfect time i know if you are catching this live you might be like you promised mailbag we'll get to a mailbag that is definitely part of the show but we are going to talk about the weather because it is a big effect there's a lot of articles and it was interesting to see how people view this in terms of the effect we debated on this very show yesterday like who is going to benefit from the weather and it seems to come down to most people's thoughts are one uh, rotation and two bullpen. Justin, why don't you lead us off with some of your thoughts or some of the things you read that really stood out for you in terms of these rainouts? Yeah, I mean, obviously Cleveland's bullpen is a little bit deeper. And that's what everyone's kind of focused on is that the the, uh, the Yankees bullpen lacks a little bit of depth. And some of their guys have been banged up this year I, I don't know if if the the advantage is like that sizable i think it's close um you have jameson tie on to the yankees out in the bullpen for them i think domingo Herman is as well um i think the issue for cleveland is this this narrows their bullpen advantage because you can't you're you're more likely not to use emmanuel classe four days in a row you know, you're not, they, you can't use, there's certain relievers you just can't use four days in a row. And, and, and very often relievers don't go four days in a row. And I think this all but eliminates, um, they said that they were not going, they were very against using Shane Bieber on three days rest for game five. Terry Francona said that today. Um, and this eliminates the possibility altogether. It's not going to happen. So Shane Bieber will pitch tomorrow for game two and you will not see him again the rest of the postseason. Uh, it sounds like. Or not postseason, I should say the uh, the ALDS, just the LDS. Uh, if they make it to the LCS, he's fine. I want to clarify, but I just I just think it narrows Cleveland's bullpen advantage. They do they do have the advantage in terms of depth, quality of depth. I think, um, but the fact that you know you can't use Class A four days in a row and you can't use Trevor Steffen four days in a row hurts them if it goes that far. Um, but I think it also helps them matchup wise with starting pitchers. You know, Shane Bieber. Nestor Cortez, that's an even matchup. Um, Cal Quantrill and, and, or I'm sorry, Tristan McKenzie and Luis Severino is, is a pretty even match in game three. And if it goes to game four, you have Cal Quantrill and, and Garrett Cole. 
again, we know that's advantage Yankees, but at that point it'll be three games in three days and the Yankees bullpen will hopefully for the guardian's sake, will have suffered a little bit by then if it goes three games in three days. And if you get to game five, um, I think Cleveland, I originally thought that game five would be a problem for Cleveland, but if it gets to game five with four days, four games in four days, it sounds like the Yankees wanted to go with a three-man rotation and the Guardians were prepared to go with four. Um, they don't know who that four starter is going to be, but it sounds like they are more prepared for that. The Yankees are not. So if it gets to four, I'm sorry, if it gets to five, I think Cleveland's um, in a little bit better shape. And if it gets to five, that means Cleveland has scored probably some runs and gotten into the Yankee bullpen. So um, if it go- the longer this series goes, maybe the edge creeps back to Cleveland more than I thought it would previously. And I think one of the things that stands out too is just like, again, I'll stand that like Garrett Cole in game one was a massive mistake. Like now there's no chance they can throw Cortez again. And he, he was their best pitcher all year. Like he was their best pitcher all year uh, to go out and see, you know, they, they got to get past Cortez. Uh, this is going to be a rough game. You and I were going through the game logs. I mean, he just decimated Cleveland when they faced him this year. It was ugly like nobody hit him on the whole team and that's it's gonna be a tough game yeah so if they can get thinking somehow you know if Bieber can be brilliant again if this can be like a 2-1 game like the last start where you know the offense wasn't there really uh there's always the opportunity for that and if they can get through that then you have to feel pretty good in game three with Tristan McKenzie and you get to game four and there's some questions again uh and then like you said game five it, it certainly feels like I wonder if the Yankees now are have to change their bullpen plans. Like if they're going to pull someone like Tyon out, what they do with that spot, because I know they said they didn't want to think about it, but I, I don't think we see a Tyon tomorrow. Let's put it that way. If they lose, if they, if the Yankees win, it might shift things. If they lose, it might shift things as well. But yeah, they don't, you know, the, the quote you sent me about them not wanting to look beyond a three man rotation is if it goes five, they have to. And they got to make sure they got something. So they're not just throwing a random bullpen game <laughs> in a clincher. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how all of this comes together. I still, you know, hold out hope. I'm not like sitting here assuming this series is done by any means. Uh, I just need the offense to wake up. And the offense has been, you know, uh, we could use some harsh language. It's a team that struck out. 18% of the time in the regular season, lowest in baseball. Uh, we did some quick math because we couldn't find anyone who had it out there. So far in the postseason, they're striking out over 30% of the time. That would have been the highest rate in baseball this year. So that seems to be a large part of this issue. I, I mean, I was going through and just looking at, again, small sample size. But, I mean, they are the only team they beat in several, like, stacking offensive categories and is Tampa. Tampa and St. Louis are the only teams even kind of near them. Uh, they have more strikeouts than uh, what's it than teams that have played more games than them. Like that's how how ineffective the offense has been. And we know it's a streaky team. Can they turn this around? They're gonna have to. They have to. They have to turn around. They can't be, keep striking out like this. I mean, I said the other night about the offense that it was frustrating that they weren't really creating a lot of run scoring opportunities. You know, they had the kind of the gift inning from Tampa Bay in game two. And they kind of had a gift inning um, in game one against the Yankees. Although, you know, Quan did it the home run and then Ho- and Rosario, or I'm sorry, Rosario was hit by a pitch. Um, Jose doubled. 
So they had some hits, but by and large, they're loading the they've been loading the bases on um, opportunities from the other team, kind of being you know earn. I should say earning them. I shouldn't say given to them. Like the walks, if the if you do walk, you're earning a walk. So there is that aspect to it. And like I said, if you want to look in the silver lining of things, they're just one hit away from kind of breaking out offensively. One hit in that in that it wouldn't go 15 innings, thankfully, in on game two against the Rays. If they had just scored a run in that sixth inning, and then if they just get one hit with the bases loaded against Cole, but they've been what like one, one for twelve with runners in scoring percentage. I mean, yeah. they it's like I, the other side of that argument. I know people are like they don't want negativity. It's like, is it just one hit or is this like a team that's pressing? Like, I mean, they're not. It, to me, this strikes me as more pressing than bad luck when the strikeout percentage is is almost doubled and when they can't the minute minute a base runner gets on that it's they can't do anything i guess that's that's my to do the counterpoint to give us some friction on the the podcast since we often agree so much right. uh is this do we feel like it I, I mean i know it has to be fixable but like is it fixable or is this team going to you know look like the the 20 uh 21 guardians out there for the rest of the series Hard, yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know if it's – I would think it's fixable. They made the best contact rate in baseball in the regular season. Pitching gets better in the postseason. Obviously, they're facing – you know, you're not facing anybody's four or five, most likely. You're facing, you know, top three guys the whole way through for the most part. Um, yeah, I, I still think they can turn it around. I just – you're going to need – look, they haven't really gotten a ton from Ahmed Rosario yet. They finally got a hit from Quan, a big hit from Quan. You know, Jose has been fine. Miles Straw has been the, what, the third best hitter in the postseason, mm-hmm. we said the other day. So at some point, I think, you know, Josh Naylor has to do something. Um, he, yeah, felt, I, 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 he felt like I, I wonder, worry with him that he's just tired. Like after coming back from everything he's done after, I mean, this, this is the most extensive season he's ever had. It felt like he lost a little steam in the later months to me. I, I just, there is that part of me wonders if some of these rookies, like, could they be hitting walls? Because they hit the rookie wall now just due to, like, this is the longest season Stephen Kwan has ever had. This is the longest season most of these guys have ever had by a significant margin. Uh, I just, you know, something to throw out there that it, it could be a combination of factors. But I, I think what stands out for me is, like, no matter what tomorrow's game is one that we're hoping for. They can eke out. Like it's going to be ugly tomorrow, but hopefully it'll be more ugly for the Yankees, which is also possible because, you know, they had a good two months where it was Aaron judge and then nobody else. Right. Well, if anybody knows how to play after a rain out and play a compressed schedule, it's the guardians, right? Nobody's had more rain outs than them. So if you want to, it felt very apropos in a way. Yeah, felt like, you know, that that was, you know, maybe this is like the sign of the the baseball gods. Uh, you know, this is like almost like their call to power for this team this year with all their rainouts. It's like, OK, you know, they've this has been there. Maybe they should have been the Cleveland rainouts instead for their um, their mascot. And then but it, it's certainly been a big part of this season. <laughs> Excuse me, their season. Uh, we should take our first break here and come back. We got some mailbag questions. We're going to try to stick to 
segment two at least in the some of these mailbag stuff that we're gonna get to. Uh yeah, uh we're going to uh sorry, just have a moment of monetary <laughs> brain lapse. Uh we are going to uh we're gonna try to stick to the series and then segment three we'll maybe get into some of the uh uh stuff where people a lot of, uh, you know, just to be honest. Some people want to talk off season already. And then uh, we're also on top of the mailbag. We have to at least mention the Carlos Correa situation because that is a big effect on the central in general. But our first sponsor, as you can see, has popped up on the video screen are our good friends over at Bet Online. I always say it. They are one of the Mount Rushmore of locked on advertising sponsors specifically for our podcast. And they are the number one source for football betting info this season. Find all of the latest sports developments, team matches, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sports out there. Not just sports. I've seen stuff on uh, po- politics. And a, a side note, a bonus with Bet Online is if you can go there, sometimes you can get like radio broadcasts if there is a sporting event that you can't catch in your area. The fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. You know, I did see someone told me that the betting line has shifted uh, on tomorrow's game. I don't know if that's true. Um, I do see it is negative 122 plus plus 102 for. Um, the Yankees tomorrow. I'm not sure what that shifted from to tell you the truth, but looks like the rain out may have shifted this into the Yankees favor a little bit more. We'll see. Interesting. That's true. I, I wouldn't think that things would have changed that much, but what do I know? Uh, before getting this mailbag, we have to mention the Carlos Correa of it all. The number one player in free agency by most people's views signed with the twins. And I think most of us looked at that contract and go, okay, it's a one year deal. Well, it's a one-year deal. He is opting out. That means the Twins have now had a one-year deal on a shortstop the past few seasons. Uh, last year, it was Andrelton Simmons. I'm going to throw it to you, Justin, before I start coughing my head off here. But if you want to talk more about Correa before I start a, a coughing fit. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, of who is going to man shortstop for the Twins next season. I think Polanco, getting- right? That's who it was before Simmons and... Well, they should get Rice Lewis back, right? But when? Is he going to be ready to go anywhere yeah. near the start of the year for them? Yeah, I don't know if he'll be ready. Rice Lewis, you would think, would be their their most obvious uh, fit there. And I don't know who else is out there on the free agent market shortstop-wise. But, yeah, you know, you could put Polanco at short, and then they could put um, Nick Gordon at second. Although, I think Nick Gordon's primary position was shortstop second base for yeah, the outfield, right? Up. So. And it's like yeah, you move uh, kind of a, 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 I can't say his name right now. Move him back to infield where he has played. Then Do you shift some guys around because wasn't he the second baseman for a year? He's or two played everywhere. Yeah, he's Luis Arise has played everywhere. So there's some value there too. Um, and I think they were only playing Nick Gordon in the outfields at times because they had a lot of injuries. So when guys get healthy next year, if they stay healthy, because obviously they had a lot of guys hurt, but. Um, you know, he was still their best hitter, I think, mm-hmm. by far this season. He ended up with a 140 weighted runs created plus in a, a four-win season, um, despite the fact that he played 136 games. Um, going to hit it for agency at age 28. I don't know. Is he going to make $35 million a year next year? It was a $35 million option this year. 
is he going to make that per year going back on the market? Because I don't even know who needs a shortstop next year. Yeah, that's a I thing. don't it's think like who's who's going to. I don't pay think the Yankees him. are doing it because I think no. the, if the Yankees were going to get in on it, they would have done it last year. And the Yankees, for Anthony Volpe. Yeah, I think they're waiting for Volpe, and I think they're shifting to a, a defensive first view. And Correa is is a solid defender, uh, but the reason I think that it's important if you're shifting to a defense first view is he's he's 28. You know, it's like that's going to start declining as he gets into his 30s. And if you're giving him an eight-year contract, you know by the end of it, it's going to be a disaster defensively. I wonder, like, secretly, are the Twins happy? Like, I I know they're losing their best player, but he, he wasn't – the they didn't – due to injury, he didn't produce, I think, at the level they hoped. And I don't know what the free agent pitching market necessarily looks like. I really don't know what the free agent market looks like in general. I haven't paid – any attention i know cleveland we don't have to for a while <laughs> no, i i you know I, I know austin hedges is a free agent beyond that i don't have much i know shaw is a free agent beyond that uh but we all know they need pitching so it's like maybe they could be trying to shift this around so but you have to comment because it's a it's a big shift in the central and you know for all of our people who are tired of us talking off season it's also just fun to talk more off season and I will say this, I know some people don't love the offseason talk, and but it's by and large our vocal minority because we're going to switch over to the mailbag here and 60% of the questions that came in on the mailbag, if not 70%, were offseason related. Oh, so it's that's that's really where the interest is. It's the same, you know, I get it kind of consistently. It's that's we're Cleveland fans. It's always about tomorrow. Uh, when you've been raised in a city where teams are often terrible, it's always about tomorrow. And at the same time, I will say, like, what more can we say about this matchup? Like, as much as, you know, I am excited for more postseason baseball, you and I have covered this top to bottom, bottom to front, back and forth. Uh, there's not much more nitty gritty to dive into. Like I said, the only real big addition is it's going to be, we went through the net. Well, we, you went through Nestor Cortez's game log with Cleveland and they, I mean, he owned them. So that's yeah. kind of what's there. And then after that, we just got to kind of wait and see how things line up. And I mean, I'll take any signs of life tomorrow. Um, but even here's the thing. I'll say this, you know, people who, who want positivity, even if they lose tomorrow, I don't think the series is dead. I don't think it is over. I don't think it's a situation where you need to be like, okay, they're going to get swept. Tristan McKenzie is an advantage. That is a pitching advantage. Cleveland uh, game four can be rough, but I mean, they, they uh, hung with Garrett Cole with Quantrell starting. And then uh, game five, as you said, the Yankees don't really seem to have a plan. So no matter what happens tomorrow, even if it falls to the worst of it, I think you have to sit back and be like, this is, it's not over till it's over. Yeah. I, I think a lot rides on tomorrow for me. I think if they are today, as people probably are, some people are listening to this. I, I do think yeah. it's a must win game. I, I do think if it gets to five games, they can win. But I, I, I think you have to win game two. I don't, I don't like the prospect of having to win three in a row. I think it, there's a chance they could, they could go two in a row and win two and three, lose four. And then, you know, make it five. I think they have to go, they have to at least, uh, tie the series first right now. I don't think you can afford to go down to zero. My, my hopes go down the train a lot faster. If you're down two Oh, <laughs> it's weird. Like if they lose tomorrow uh, for me, it's like, it's, I'm going to have the same hopes as I have right now. Like, I just, I can't, I, I don't see a pathway to victory with the way the offense has been with the way Cortez has pitched against this team. It, it's, it's, you need Shane Bieber to be every bit of what he was last time. 
and I, you need to get lucky. And that's kind of where I stand. But I still, like I said, if they lose, I still think they got. I still think they have a chance. I, I, the series gets very advantageous, advantageous in my opinion. The after this game, it does. It does. I, I just if think they that, win tomorrow, then all of a sudden I feel like they're in the driver's seat. Is my view. They, game two? Yeah, if they win tomorrow, then I put them in the driver's seat. I, I do too. I just think I think they just have to win two in a row because I don't know if like the prospect they're going to have the pitching. I think they have it's at least even at the very least. I think you could also give Bieber a slight advantage. I would. I mean, Nestor Cortez has been great this year, but I think I would take Shane Bieber over, over Nestor Cortez um, personally. And I think you could say that McKenzie and, and Luis Severino is a wash. It's a push at, at worst. Oh. McKenzie, I yeah, would I think say, it's is a better than McKenzie. Yeah, okay. So it's at least an, I think it's I think it favors McKenzie. In game four, you go back to not having the pitching matchup in your favor no. again. So if you go into game four, Quantrill versus Garrett Cole, I, I don't like the odds of having to win three in a row. That's why I think they have to win mm-hmm. game two and I think they have to win game three. But and, and I know some people are gonna say, well, Quantrill's undefeated at home. Sorry, if you if you think that um pitcher win loss record by stadium or by whatever home home road splits in a single season are legitimate stats, I'm sorry, I don't have to tell you. They're not. They're not. It's noise. It's just noise. Even Cal Quantrum himself said he has no explanation for it. He gets a lot of run support. He's he's given up more home runs at home. I know he's pitched more innings at home, but he's given more home runs at home. But um I just like that I would like to see them, like you said, win win game two. I think they have to win game three because then you got to win. If you lose game three, then you got to win four and five. So I think they need to go up two one over the next two days to to have a shot to win this thing. Yeah, they've. Uh, no matter what happens, they have to win game three, in my opinion. That's that's the that's the, the hinge game, and they can. And that's the thing. They have that's the pitching the, edge again. That's the one where I feel like there is a significant advantage. It's like Bieber is better than Cortez, but Cortez is. Like Cleveland is the worst lineup to face him. Uh, that game three, they have they have an edge there. Um, so I'm, I will, like I said, we will have to wait and see. I do want to take a moment and say Locked on Guardians, along with all of your other Cleveland podcasts, are now available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV as part of the Locked on Sports Cleveland. More great local sports 24-7, and it's free to download the Locked on Sports Cleveland app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Uh, we are going to be back. We're going to get into the promised mailbag of it in segment three. So make sure you jump in. And if you want to, you know what? I have not been looking at the comments over here. Uh, drop a comment. We'll throw, flash it up on the screen, answer some questions uh, in a second. Unlocked on Guardians. And we're back. So let's let's take those mailbag questions. I, you know, I was I reached out kind of late because I was like, oh, let's let's see what we can get. And it's, you know, it's always interesting to see what people think. So I, let's let's start off one from Glenn Longwell, 89. Is Bieber's pitching going to be a bigger advantage for us than bigger advantage for is than facing a lefty as a disadvantage? And to the lefty issues, who do you pair with Naylor for next season to avoid his lefty issues? Los Mancini, Abreu will all be available. So <laughs> we get both in this one. Uh, in season and off season for me, I mean, it, I think you and I actually disagree on this. I have to go back to the question again. Okay. Yeah. So is so Bieber, think... yeah, going to be, yeah, 
I think I think Beaver. Yeah, I, I, they're not they're not going to. They have to give them run support. I think Beaver will keep it close enough to where they can try to outlast the Yankees again and get into their bullpen. I mean, it depends on how long Nestor Cortez is going to go. Um, that's the biggest thing. I think he'll keep it close enough, like he has all year, to to give him a chance to win. But I think it's his fastball slider combination. I'm sorry, his fastball cut fastball Cutter. slider combination. Yeah, um, the Yankees. I think I know Aaron Judge specifically not great against cutters oh, and sliders. Yeah, and Bieber has yeah. an advantage there, and they're and they're right-handed heavy too. So I think that that gives him advantage that way. Um, I think it's I, again. I think it's even. I think it's an even push. I know that's a boring yeah, Popeye answer, but it's an even push. You know, if you want to be a if you're a sports gambling fan, this is the one to bet the under on, uh, for sure. It, it yes. should be relatively ugly of a game. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be an ugly game. It, this is more gonna be like who can see a high amount of pitches, who can get to the bullpen a little bit sooner. You want to get these starters out as quickly as possible. You want to flip your order and get through. As for the offseason, I mean, I any of those three have uh, pluses and minuses. Uh, yeah, uh, Naylor probably does need a caddy, but I'm not sure who it is yet um, or who's going to be available. And then all the other questions I have are offseason related. Should we just go ahead and dive in? I know you were hoping for... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have a couple more from... A couple more repeats of the same people. Um, yeah. Why don't we go with guards for life? Who are some possible extension candidates for the offseason? And what would the contracts look like? <laughs> uh, Bieber, uh, he's Jimenez, not Naylor, and Quan. What were his suggestions? Uh, I thought Bieber we can just give up on. I think yeah. most of us feel like he wants to return to the West Coast. Uh, it's it's not happening. He is, he's gone in two years. This is just like when I told you there was a 0.0% chance that... Lindor was saying, I feel that way about Bieber. Uh, Jimenez, it's certainly possible. Um, the thing to remember with him is he played the equivalent of a full season with the Mets. So I think he's already getting close to entering arbitration. Quan, I would think there's a good opportunity. If they want to do it, I think you kind of, you know, I talked about it on one of my podcasts, you kind of look at the Michael Harris contract. You know, Michael Harris took a massive discount to stay in Atlanta. Could the contract for Quan be similar in that range? Potentially. Um, Naylor, I, I'm never given a first baseman in an extension. Yeah. It's a flooded market. You, you can always find a good first baseman. Do you think that Andres Jimenez would take the Ozzy Albies contract? I don't think Which anyone seven, would take seven, the Ozzy Albies contract. Seven a, years, $35 million. I don't think anyone in their right mind takes that <laughs> contract. That's one of the worst contracts that's ever been accepted. I mean, the Braves consistently keep getting, you know, and some of it's like, hey, Michael Harris is from the area. So, like, at least that made sense. Matt right. Olson. You know, one of the things, you know, we could probably talk about this offseason is some of the things we were talking about yesterday off air about the guys that, like, you and I talk to people. You and I, I don't want to say we're in the know, but we know people in the know that, you know, there's some interesting guys like Matt Olson that this team thought they had. Like legitimately through sources you and I both trust, like they thought they had a Matt Olson deal in place. They thought mm -hmm. there was a deal for maybe Brandon Drury, I think, at the deadline. Like how much different this team looks if even one of those deals they thought was across the finish line had been completed. It's hard to think about. Yeah. I mean, Drury is someone we didn't talk about, but like that might be a platoon caddy guy to talk about for sure. I mean, but a full-time player, kind of a la Oscar Gonzalez, where it's a full-time guy who, who, you know, can maybe 
be uh, positionally flexible to be also right. a platoon type. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. So I would, I would, in order. I mean, we, we think Beaver can be ruled out. We're not going to do Naylor. No. Um, do you get Jimenez or Quan done first? I'm going to say Quan first before Jimenez. See, I, I say Jimenez priority. See, I think Jimenez because it's you have less time to do it. Like Quan, you've got what still another year. Like he might hit arbitration sooner because of the new rules, which I'm not, you know, all super set on knowing. But I don't think he can this year. No, no, not this year. But like by you know he's going to hit it soon. But like I think Jimenez is right on. If he's not hitting it this year, he's going to hit it next year. So your window to lock him up might be now. And he was, I mean. By war, their best player this year. So for me, it starts with Jimenez because this might be your last offseason to get it done before he starts jumping. And then Quan next. And honestly, there's no reason you can't do both. I mean, they did Class A Straw sure. and Jose. So it's that's true. Uh, you know, and Tristan McKenzie, I think, should also be on that list. Like he might be my he's my number one priority, honestly. Um, yeah, that's great. I agree. Especially if you're not going to extend Bieber, I think you have to put yeah. McKenzie on that list because in the event they decide to float McKenzie. And I don't think they will. It sounds like they're not as interested in training Bieber this offseason they previously were. So um but even so if you're even if you're not going to trade him, if you're not going to extend him, you've got to put McKenzie on that list. Um what about Ethan or Sap 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 or Rateau? Uh ideal trade acquisition and what is the prospect package to Acquire them. Uh, I think we all know yours, Jeff. Yes, We're but all very familiar who yours is. I'll say, like, uh, I think I surprised you a bit when I sent you to his baseball savant page. Like, just to throw it out there yeah. again, like, Christian Walker is better than you think he is. Um, you know, right handed bat, 99th percentile on defense, which again, I know you're saying first base defense, but like, going from what they've had to what he is, that could be worth a win just there. And then like top 10% in walk or not, not walk percentage. He's 76% on walk. But he's still, he's, he does everything well. Even his like whiff and K percentages are in the fifties. So yeah, he's a, you know, it took him a while to get his opportunity. I think he's an ascending guy who will be what? 32 before the season begins. And like, maybe you can do a short bridge contract or maybe he's just a guy for a few years, but he is the most, if they, they went hard at Matt Olson. We know that is a fact. He is the most Matt Olson-y type of guy uh, in, available. I would agree. Um, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't stop you from using Naylor. He doesn't stop you from from potentially having John Kenzie Noel if Noel proves that he can make it. You know, he's he's a great fit for right now, and, and Cleveland clearly is in a, in is the start of a a chance at, at winning the division each year, and and he can help you out now. <laughs> My ideal, I still, this has been floating around on Twitter today as people have been talking about Sean Murphy again. I still like yeah. the idea of Murphy and Naylor as a tandem. Mm-hmm. You can still play both and have them both make an impact. Yes. But I also think that AJ Puck, getting AJ Puck with Sean yes. Murphy makes a lot of sense too. I think. Uh, and I talked about Oakland, that deal at the deadline about yeah. what it could look at for those two. Yeah, AJ Puck, I think, takes, he's a reliever with a lot of control left. Now he does have injury histories. I think for any of these guys, you're talking about giving up one of the shortstops. You're talking about giving up. Uh, we talked yesterday. I think we talked about this after the show, but we said Tyler Freeman is like an Oakland athletic perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. So Tyler yeah. Freeman makes a lot of sense in, in a Murphy or Puck deal. Uh, George Valera. I think you can, I, I don't like the idea of parting with him, but 
in a Murphy puck deal, you're going to have to part with him or Espino. And I know, I know people are going to say, well, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Pitching prospects are risky, but Cleveland suddenly has, yeah, well, Cleveland has a little more, hopefully outfield depth than they used to have prospect wise. Yeah. I would be better off giving up Valera than Espino because, um, and I I, I think, go ahead. And then I'll just throw out one thing on what you said there. Yeah, I just think you, you you don't give up both, but I think I like no. Espino's upside more than Valera's. Going through and having looked at like the big name prospects in baseball, the big name pitching prospects don't bust as much anymore because we have so much good data on them. We know so much about things like spin rate. We know about sync. We know about rise. The data is much better than on hitters, but we still see top hitting prospects. Look what happened with like Torkelson and Green and a lot. Like it's riskier to go with the hitter in AAA than the pitcher, because now the data is so refined to a point that we know what these guys are like yeah. those high end pitching prospects. Who's the last one who busted. And it wasn't, unless it was due to injury, it just doesn't happen. So it's, yeah, I think that's like a view. Injury. Yeah. It's like now it's to the point where, yes, I mean, a hundred percent, like I've always been there and I still am the guy who's like, I would never draft a high school kid in the first round. Who's a pitcher. But once you get him up to those upper minors where like Espino has excelled, it's like, no, he's he might be safer if he's healthy, which is a huge if. He might be safer long term, but I'll also point out for everyone who freaks about the health, <laughs> I'm going to just keep coughing on the mic because everyone loves it. Uh, I mean, look at Tristan McKenzie for a similar health profile right when he got up there and right before. And he gave you 180 innings this season, so great for him. Yeah, I would say any of these guys you're talking about, yeah. Valera, um, Valera, Arizona might Jones, be Freeman. interesting because that might be that's a team in desperate need of a reliever. You might be able to do like one of their, you know, elite five plus a prospect and maybe keep someone like Valera out of that package because Arizona, the last thing they need, honestly, is another outfielder. Yeah, that's true. They got a ton of outfield. Yeah, you can probably eliminate that. Uh, yeah, Freeman, Angel Martinez, uh, Gabriel Arias, if you're not going to play him, if you know mm-hmm. you're. If, you got to hang on to one of these guys, obviously, to, yes. in case you decide to move on from uh, Amad Rosario, depending on how they, they do things there. Yeah, Brian Lavastida, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think between, Arizona needs Brian Lavastida, but no. you know, I, I don't think Oakland does either, actually, now I think about it. Between uh, Martinez, Rocchio, and Arias, you know, you had kind of one of them being the guy. And Freeman. Sure. Yeah, I, know, I know you're not as high. I know you're not as high on Freeman. Yeah. But I'm just specifically as like a shortstop. I mean, like I said, I think I've talked about his points as like a, a super utility type. I think that's like his his ultimate role is maybe like an everyday player in that super utility role. All right, we've got quite a few more questions, so let's try to get into some of these before we yeah. run out of time today. We got uh, maybe time for one more. I'd say, what's the best one we got left? Oh, the best one. Um, we talked about the Murphy one. Um. Somebody okay. Two quick hitters from uh, my okay. pal Izzo Nunzio. Uh, the first one is Angel Martinez or Brian Rocchio. Real quick, who do you prefer? Uh, Rocchio, though Martinez could make me regret that. I like Rocchio better upside wise, but if you're asking me who I feel better about floor wise, it's Martinez. I I do fear there is some over aggression, oh, Ahmed Rosario level over aggression in the profile for Brian <laughs> Rocchio. Some swing happy tendencies that. We don't love with Ahmed Rosario could show up with Brian Rocchio or Angel Martinez not as much. That's why, I, yeah, give me give me Rocchio's ceiling, but uh, Martinez's floor. And then he also asked, um, does Cody Morris get a shot as a starter next year, or is he a bullpen arm? 
Um, I think he's a bullpen arm unless something significant happens, unless there's a trade or a release. Like basically if Plesak is still here and, you know, this team does not cut bait on players. I mean, Fran Mill, I know. But outside of Fran Mill, there hasn't been a lot of that. They hate to sell low on guys. So I almost feel like they might do the uh, the dreaded half-year showcase and try to hopefully make his value. And it's not so much a showcase. It's like rebuild his value and see if they can then get, you know, a little bit more for him. I mean, he was rumored to have some value at the deadline. I was kind of hoping he'd be traded for Logan O'Hoppy to to uh, Philadelphia. And he has been uh, he's been really good for, for Anaheim. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I... I it's very clear that core four is going to be there. So it's hard to figure out a spot for Morris right away. I have nothing to say to you right now. <laughs> you, you, you use the, uh, you use the, uh, the magic word. I'm done. I've had I, enough. I've <laughs> had enough. You use the word. No, I think, I think Cody Morris going on age 26 next season, I think he's got to be in the big league. So I don't know if yeah. they're going to have a spot for him starting right away, but I think he's got to be in the big leagues. And I think it's as a reliever probably. Uh, it's just logical. It'd be one thing like he's one of those what ifs for this year. Honestly, like if he had been healthy all year, maybe he's part of the rotation now. But it, it's interesting to think about awesome. him and you know a few of these guys. It's just the health uh, was the holdback, and you know it's always interesting to see what a guy's going to do in a year. Uh, tomorrow, the Guardians are going to win, and we'll be very happy on Monday to come back and talk about how they swept the weekend, and we're preparing for. Uh, whatever team there is from the other division, right? That's the plan. Yeah. Big day of baseball tomorrow. I'm excited for all those games. Yeah. Guardians win tomorrow. I think they do. <laughs> It'll be uh three to two victory. Hmm. Um, let's see. Jose I... Ramirez. Jose Ramirez. It's a home run. Um, Ahmed Rosario has two hits and yeah. scores two runs. I, Listen, I'm gonna. I know it doesn't count if you say reverse jinx, but I'm gonna say three-one loss. Um, you just and, said they were gonna win. Well, I mean, that's my hopeful feeling. My analytical, my having watched this team, having looked at the Yankees, I I don't feel with the way they're. You know, I, I've said it enough. You know why I'm not as sold on them, but I. I want them to win. I want to send them good juju. And then I also want to hopefully like reverse jinx the heck out of this. So I can be very wrong at a later point in time, but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go three, one. I'm going to say Rosario doubles inch draw and Jose hits a home run. Yeah. That's that. I'm going to say three, two win. I, I, I hope, hope you were right. I very much want to be wrong. But uh, I will say for the two of us, thank you for checking out Lockdown Guardians for this week. Remember, rate and review, download daily. It helps. If you have not yet done it, go subscribe on the YouTube. That is our big, big push. We are at 744 subscribers. That means, what, we need 256 more for quick math. You could be one of those 256 to make us very happy people over here. Uh, And how I've ended every show since uh, things have changed. Go, go, Guardians, go.